What if I told you that fantasy basketball rankings were wrong? I'm sort of telling you that. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. We're going to dive into it in today's show. So, Michael Bolton, where are you? Maybe that's wrong. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 200 or they bet $5 and they get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Okay, so I've been teasing it for a little bit and we're still not 100% of the way there, but I've been doing so much work in these last couple of months about a lot of statistical analysis and a lot of work on fantasy basketball rankings. Now, you know that if you've been a long-time listener to this show that I've spoken about, if you just use a ranking list or a list of players in fantasy to draft, you'll probably lose, right? Because the way that those rankings are set up, we absolutely froth a list. We love a list that says someone's 20th and someone's 21st. We don't care whether there's a actual 30-spot gap between those two guys or if the guys between 20 and 30 are exactly the same. As long as they're in a list, that's what that's what matters. That's how we view things in life. That's how all that stuff works. But I've been saying this for a long time, and I'm really, really hammering this home this season, is that I just don't think that's the way to go about things. It's not uh, the linear rankings of players don't reflect the linear value of guys. And even the way that we value players, I'm not sure is 100% correct. And I'm going to illustrate that here. Now, this uh, metric that I'm bringing out, which again, it's, we're gonna we're probably going to put it over on Basketball Monster this year, but it's definitely going to be in a, a level of sort of beta testing. And it's not going to be the thing we want to completely rely on. We're going to get like a season of data with it and work through it all and see how it all pans out. But hopefully it tries to make a more accurate system for ranking players. And I'll probably be adding some more factors into it as we go along. Now, if you play in points leagues, this probably this show isn't for you. Thank you for being a part of the points league mock draft yesterday. This one is for category leagues because the points, draft, points league ranking is very sim- simple. If someone averages more fantasy points, they are ranked higher. That is how that works. There's nothing else to that. Now, you can do other things, which I probably do a little bit of at some point of like melding reliability. And the other big thing I'm going to be in on is variance, which is a huge thing. I think weekly variance, game-to-game variance, I think is a massive thing. And that will impact points leagues too. But at this point, when we're looking at rankings, we're just talking about uh, category leagues and the individual impact they have. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is what we're going to look at in today's show. Durant is the name of my new metric. It is, it stands for Dynamic Unbiased Rankings Applying Normalized Transformations. That's what it stands for. Because again, looking, we have just sit, sat here and I think part of it was just pushback when I would say something or a player was ranked here or he was this good and someone would always push back, well, he was actually ranked here or well, now he's actually been this guy at this point. And I look at and go, does, does that actually make sense? Does it make sense that Giannis was 107th last season? No, of course it doesn't. Does it make sense that Trey Murphy was 30th or D'Lon Wright was 55th? No, it doesn't. None of that makes sense. Right? It doesn't make sense from a a just a big long-term view or an overview of like, what, what is that that doesn't add up. That player is definitely not more valuable than this other guy. But the system we've been using would tell us that that might be the case. So I'll talk about why. Z scores, I'm going to call them Z because we say Z instead of Z, but that's what it is, standard scores. Talk about Durant. I'm going to talk about something else I found with free throw percentage, which also applies to field goal percentage, which is a little bit of quirkiness there, and a discussion on week-to-week variance, which is something that I'm going to try and implement as we get through things um, throughout this season as well. So let's have a look at the standard rankings last season for, for category leagues. And you can see 
up on the screen. That is just your standard nine category rankings last season. I hope that that is relatively legible for you, but basically it's your know, Jokic sitting there at one, Embiid at two. This is per game, by the way. You got uh, Shea at three, Davis four, Durant five, Curry, Lillard, um, Halliburton, Irving, all the way down, Jaron Jackson there at number 12. That's your top 24 in those standard rankings. And you and then you could have a look at what it, that looks like from a... Um, uh, a perspective of eight category rankings as well and how that changes and l- removing turnovers, bumps guys or, or drops guys. Anthony Davis moves down from four down to seven. Jaron Jackson moves down uh, from 12 down to 16. That's just an impact of that. And I'm not going to go into my thought process of the way to evaluate players is by turning turnovers off. I've done that in my statistical correlations show, but that's, that's a, a good way to do it. But what well, I think, anyway, what you'll notice on this is this is our basketball monster rankings page. When you go and look over there, you've also got that minus one value column, which is another thing I really enjoy, taking away a player's worst category, which for head-to-head rankings, I think is a really good way of doing it. That's going to tie into other stuff later. But on the right side of that graphic, you'll see a whole bunch of greens and reds. They are the, the calculated Z scores for each category. And what we do is we add those numbers up, we average them, and that's what gives you that value. And then the minus one column is we add them all up, we take away the worst score, we average it, and that's what gives you minus one. That's what that number is in value and minus one over there. And that's just by creating an average of those Z scores, Z scores, standard scores, whatever you want to say, over on the right-hand side of this graphic. But we all say this. We, we I will talk Z scores. Basketball Monster has been doing it forever. You'll see other analysts talk about Z scores all the time. It happens all the time. But do we actually know what they are? Do you know what a Z score is? Because... I'll admit, I knew what it was, but and that sounds that sounds bad. I knew what it was. I was very very comfortable in what it is. But then I did a little bit more digging in it, and maybe 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 we missed something. Maybe there's something a little bit off with it. And I know there is going to be a raft of people that do not like change or do not want to believe what I'm saying, or will say something like, "Well, you just got to trust the math," which I, I do tend to agree with. But math can be manipulated or changed depending on the angles you're looking at it. And there were people who just don't buy into anything that I'm saying here. And that's totally okay. I get it. Introducing something that changes what we've done for 30 years can be a tough pill to swallow. That's why I'm not going to be just exclusively talking about this. I'm going to be looking at it and tweaking it and trying to get things right with how this uh, system all works. But to understand why I think there might be somewhat of an issue Aside from looking, well, was Darren Jackson actually the 12th best player last season? Was Giannis actually the 100th best player? Like, without looking at those, without you know, just uh, as a subjective look at those things and thinking, oh, that, that doesn't feel right. Like, why Why is it wrong? Like, I, I, yeah, getting that idea into our head as to this doesn't seem right, but why isn't it? What might be happening? And also understanding how we get to these numbers to begin with. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and on YouTube TV. That's it. All new customers get that fantastic offer for the upcoming NFL season. 100 bucks off NFL Sunday ticket. It's also the best time now to join FanDuel because you get that offer, you get the bonus bets if you're a new customer, and... You can use those bonus bets on whatever, spreads, money lines, uh, player props, over-unders, futures, whatever it is, it's over there on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. So we say all that, we look at the rankings, we know it, it's how it's produced on an ESPN player radar, it's how it's done on a Yahoo ranking. I'm pretty sure Yahoo ranking does full nine cat Z scores. And does it by totals. That's why you'll see whack rankings on there. That's why it'll tell you that Vooch was the seventh best player or whatever he was last season. Clearly, clearly false, right? Or Trey Murphy was 20th or whatever the numbers were. That's what they how they base it on. But all of the sites that are using category league rankings, they're either doing something completely subjective, which might be a list that you see somewhere that someone's put out their rankings of, or they're doing Z-score nine-cat rankings. So what is it? What is the Z-score? What is a standard score? It's basically... And you can see, if you are on YouTube, there's a formula there. A Z-score is a number that represents the number of standard deviations that a particular value is above the mean 
of a normally distributed sample. So you get the average of a sample. Let's say it's the points category in fantasy, which the average is around uh, 18 or 19. All right, it's around that mark. Let's make it 20 to make it easy. Um, and the standard deviation is just the, it's the uh, sort of basically the average distance between in, in a data set, the values and, and, the, and the mean and the square roots. And all the whole, is, you know, I don't need to go into a standard deviation formula in terms of working that out. So if you have the average as 20 points, your player, which is X on this screen, scores 30. That's a difference of 10. And the standard deviation is five, right? That's, that's, um, that's close to what the number is. So that would be 30 minus 20 score minus mean is 20 divided by standard deviation, which is five. So that's 10 divided by five gives you a Z score of two, which is a pretty good number which ties in with 30 points being a good number. But the thing with this is we look at that and that all makes sense. And that's how we've been doing it. And it's a totally fine way to do it because the idea of a Z score is to, actually, well, let's, let's bring it across here onto, onto the next screen because what a Z score does, it allows you to take data points that are drawn from populations with different means and different standard deviations, points, threes, rebounds, assists, blocks. They're all the things that we're using in fantasy. They all have different means. They all have different standard deviations, but we standardize them. That's why it's called a standard score. So we've got something to compare them with. Usually the scale of Z scores is minus three to plus three. That's what you do. Anything that falls outside those numbers is considered an outlier. But in general, 99.72 is the number. There's, there's a rule there we'll get to in a second. 99.72% of all results should fall between minus three as a Z score and plus three as a Z score. 99.72% of results should fall in there. And that's, again, you're saying that's all well and good. We see most of those numbers on that screen at the, at the start were twos or ones or negative 0.5s or whatever it was. It should fall in a minus three to plus three range that covers 99.72% of all results. There will be outliers because 99.72 doesn't cover everything pr pretty clearly. And that's like, you know, less than one out of a hundred. It's like one out or two out of 300 will fall outside that range. It's fine. Whatever. We're going to get to this again now because we look at, this is how there is a, the, a rule. So what we've got here is what we call a normal distribution or a bell curve. In the middle is the average. Also in a normal distribution, the median and the mean are the same spot. They're right in the middle. And on the bottom there, you can see minus three standard, uh, minus three Z score, minus two, minus one, zero, plus one, plus two, plus three. In the range between minus one and plus one, 68% of all people in that sample should fit. Between minus two and plus two, it's 95%. And then between minus three and plus three is 99.72. So meaning basically when you look at look at that with that minus, uh, we'll say the one Z score. If you've got a Z score of one, that means that you've got 50% plus 34% that you are better than. You are better than 84% of examples. If you have a Z score of two, it's 50% plus 34, 84% plus another 14, which, uh, which gives you you're better than 98% of people in the sample. So a Z score of two means you're better than 98% of people in that, uh, that sample. And of course, if you go to three Z scores, well, you're better than 99.85% of people. That's a, again, pretty high number. This is all well and good, but if we, if we flick back just quickly, to the definition of a Z-score. The number of standard deviations that a value is above the mean of a normally distributed sample. A normally distributed sample, which is this. That is what a Z-score does. It works on a normally distributed set of data. How do you reckon fantasy stats look? Do you reckon they look like that? Yeah, they don't at all. That's a graph of blocks. I wouldn't say that they're clustered around the middle there, would you? No, they're not. And if you are listening to this on audio, I really do suggest you come and watch it on YouTube. Blocks are a massively right-skewed sample, meaning all of the numbers, the vast majority, 80, 90%, whatever it is, are all at the left-hand side of the graph. And basically every single fantasy stat, nearly all of them, basically every fantasy stat is distributed that way which obviously is not normal distribution. So what does that mean for Z-scores? What, what does it mean if we're using, again, the point of a Z-score is to be able to compare 
values in different data sets with different means and different standard deviations and put them all on the same simple scale. And I've said this plenty of times as well. And plenty of other people do when you talk about it. You look at the compare the Z scores and you go and you look at Jaron Jackson having 4.64 Z score for blocks, which is obviously an insanely high number. You go, well, that's how valuable he is because if um, that we had a 4.64 in the points category, it would mean someone was averaging 60 points per game because that's what that number tells you, which is correct if the data was normally distributed. But it isn't. But it isn't. So we've had this in our head and I've been guilty of this too of saying that, well, look, the blocks are so valuable, like a 3.5 on the Z score is equivalent to a 46-point point average. No one does that. Look how good this guy must be in this area. But it's not true. It, it just isn't. And while it is very, very true, and I know there's going to be pushback on this, that, again, I'm going to use Jaron a lot in this show, and I'm going to use Giannis as well. I'm going to use Jaron a lot, though, because Jaron averaged three blocks per game, which was a Z score of 4.64 last season. That's a really big number, right? Really big. The implied probability of a Z score of 4.64 is a one in 500,000 chance of happening in a normally distributed set of data. But that's the problem. It's not normally distributed. So averaging three blocks a game actually happens quite a bit. It has happened quite a bit through NBA history. It's clearly not a one in half a million occurrence. So the whole idea of using Z scores is to put items on the same scale so we can compare them. Now, when we look at blocks as an individual thing, and we say that Jaron's 4.64 means that he was 4.64 um, standard deviations above the mean. That is, That remains 100% true. That does not change at all. When you're comparing him to another guy who gets blocks, that is totally okay because they are all on the same scale. They are all using the same uh, sample and standard deviation applies. So you can say that his 4.64 is you know, better than someone's three, better than someone's two. And on that same scale for blocks, it all actually works out. But that's not what we're using Z scores for. It's not necessarily to tell us this arbitrary number which is Jaron's 4.64 versus someone's two, what well, means he's 2.64 standard scores better in blocks, that doesn't actually tell us anything when we compare it to points or rebounds or threes or assists. And I've been going on about this from a like sort of subjective mindset for a while. And you know that when I talk about rankings and when I run things on Basketball Monster, I've always used weightings. Part of it was I thought that low volume stats like steals and blocks and threes to a lesser extent would always overvalue players in the rankings because it would just jump jump them straight up. So I'd always push them down to a, a weighting of like 0.7 or 0.8 to create a weighted average of Z scores. But I didn't really understand what was happening in terms of, I knew that that gave a better result and I knew that the, the individual variance on those low volume stats was a key part of it and that's why I weighted them down. But I didn't really look at it and go, well, it's because those Z scores are crazy and they don't like apply to reality in the sense that it has to be a normally distributed sample in order for us to compare properly Z scores across different categories. And that's where you run into problems. Again, for example, last year, Jaron's blocks were 4.64 Z score. There were five, uh, four other players who had a Z score over three. That's supposed to be an outlier. Five players out of a sample of, like say 500 NBA players, 1% of all players at outliers that's not right. It's it just, it really does overinflate that value. And you go down the bottom and the players who average zero blocks per game, Chima Maniki, Karlik Jones, AJ Lawson, Ryan Archer-Jackner, average zero blocks per game. They had a Z score of negative 1.27. So that's like, they're the, literally the bottom of the sample and they're sitting there in a spot where it's still telling us that there should be 10% of all players worse than them because it's not normally distributed. And then when we use that formula to compare players, I don't think it really works. And I should have had this graphic up on the screen showing you all of those numbers of how big those Z scores are at the top with Jaron and Claxton and Lopez, Kessler, Turner, Davis, um, Robinson, Embiid. All these guys are over two. Remember having a Z score of over two means that, when we go back to that uh, original graph with the... Um, uh, with the percentages on it, if I can find it, there it is. We got a Z score over two. 
it means that there is only uh, 2% of people that are better than, that better than you with a Z score over two. And we're talking 10 guys out of 500 who have got a score over that. Yeah? I hope that I'm not losing you too much. And again, I know you're going to tell me that Jaron's three is so much better than the league average of 0.7. It is true. And that, that number is absolutely fine to compare within that category. But it's when you start pushing it over to, that means, well, the equivalent player would average 45 points, 19 rebounds, 15 or 18 assists. Uh, that average two and a half uh, steals. They'd shoot 70% on 20 attempts from the line and they'd go 100% from, uh, from the field and 100% from the line to give you that same equivalency. And that should set off some level of alarm bells of like, mm, maybe that's not accurate, right? It should. So I can do that for all stats, right? All of them are like that. All of them have that right skew apart from something like free throw percentage, which we know it gets to another problem because we have to weight that by volume where free throw percentage pushes the other way where all the values sit on the right-hand side of the graph because everyone shoots high numbers and there's a few outliers, hence why Giannis's Z score for free throw percentage is minus five, well, minus five or minus six or whatever it was because he's the only one on that high volume that's down the bottom and it makes, again, seem like he's just like the worst in the world and I'm going to show you numbers later that show maybe it's not that bad. Maybe you shouldn't be discounting it that much. So let's introduce Durant. Dynamic, unbiased, rankings, applying, normalized transformations. That's what Durant stands for. In the past, as I said, I've used weighting to try and approximate this sort of um, outcome. And it's had some level of success, I think. By And my, my new weightings for this season are steals 0.7, blocks 0.7, threes 0.8, and free throw percentage 0.9 or 0.8 is what I'm weighting things if you just want to use traditional Z scores. That's how I'm weighting things down. So what is Durant showing versus what Z scores show? Durant is doing what the idea of Z scores should do, and that's try to put everything on a scale that is actually comparable. So while Jaron's numbers are great and his blocks are fantastic, he probably shouldn't be sitting there with a 4.64. 2.7? 3 even? Sure. No problem. But then that doesn't make him the 12th best player. And it doesn't make Giannis the 100th best player because his free throws are minus 4.5 or minus 5 or whatever. He tries to put them on an actual scale that we can compare and make it so that it makes sense across whatever categories we're using. Now, at the moment, the formula for Durant is something that I'm working on and going through, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. And again, if you want to have skepticism about how to believe it, no problem. I don't care about that. And But just understand why I'm doing it and the reasons behind it. But we're trying to make these distributions more normalized to compare. Because the whole idea of using Z scores is to put things on the same scale so they can be compared. And at the moment, they're not. Let's have a look at Let's talk about free throw percentage and how the percentages look there with free throw percentage. You'll see that is skewed across there to the um to the right-hand side. But we look at points per game. Not quite as aggressive as blocks, but it's definitely pushing all to the left. Assist per game, the same. Big left skew. You're noticing a pattern here, yeah? That's, well, that's basically how they all look. They all just push across that direction. Blocks, steals, rebounds, assists, threes, points, and the percentages push the other way. So they're not normalized at all. And even if you use a small sample size of like, well, only going to use the top 150 players, the other question I have with that is, how do you know who the top 150 players are if you're determining the top 150 players by using Z scores? But to get the Z scores, you've got to know who the top 150 players are. There's a lot of estimation and error associated with that as well. But that's how stats get distributed. Very, 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 very much not normal. Very much not normal. So... If I go through and use a straight nine cat ranking, I'm pretty sure yeah, these numbers are based on my projections for this season. If I go through and look at a straight nine cat ranking using the original nine cat versus the numbers that I've used for Durant, I'm going to show you how some of them come out and see what you think, whether it makes a little bit more sense in your brain. It does in mine. Giannis in my projections for nine cat is 67th. Now that's obviously what the math says, what the number says. But it's bullshit because the number comes from something which doesn't exactly represent real life or represent how it should be. 
Giannis's number, and again, I'm going to talk free throws later, but when he sits as a minus five in free throw percentage, that should tell you that that's like a once, it's like Haley's Comet. It's a once in a lifetime thing that happens. Yet it happens every year that someone is that bad. And I, again, the free throw stuff is really weird. And for 90% of people, or yeah, 90% of people playing uh, category leagues, you're playing head to head. You're playing in a weekly format. You're not playing over the course of 80 games. That's 5% of you playing Roto. The rest of you are playing head to head. All right. So those numbers, while it might be harder to do over a long scale of time, over three games, four games, it's not that bad. Nurkic was at 101. My Durant ranking puts him at 52. You might say, and this is all per game. It's not nuanced for what about injury risk or anything like that. Just based on pure projections. Draymond Green, 102. I had him at 75 on Durant. Shengun's numbers come out at 103. I had him at 71. Scoot was 155. 95. Zion, 73. Into 38. Beal was 76. Into 37. Paolo Bunkero, 120. Into 67. And then the flip side of guys who are ranked higher in a nine-cat rank versus how Durant pushed them out. Jalen Brunson was 35. Durant actually pushed him out to 66. It's interesting. Tyus Jones, 65 versus 103. Sadiq Bay, 89 versus 119. Trey Murphy, 68 versus 107. Walker Kessler, 34 versus 80. Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. Chris Paul, 60 versus 85, and Jaron Jackson, 13th versus 27th. Now, there's probably a couple there you go, well, I'm not sure about that, Josh. I, I totally agree with Brunson at 35, and I can say, oh, I get that, right? This is not a completed thing. This is something we're trying to test. You'll say Walker Kessler definitely can go there. But again, we are going to probably cover this a little bit later on when we talk about, you know, well, if you get this guy, he wins you blocks alone. That is a lie. That is complete bullshit. Whenever someone tells you that about a player, for any category, they are lying. It is not true. It's a, it's, a, it's like the league winner talk. It's not true. And we look at Kessler having the 70% shooting, and, and he's probably going to lead the league in blocks this season, would be my guess. But he's negative in so many other areas that I don't think it should be worth. But there are people who will be looking at him as a top 20 player. Again, because they'll look at the rankings and they'll value it that way, where, again, my thing is just... Question yourself, when you're trying to value players, are you just blindly listening to a ranking without understanding how we get there? That's all I ask. You might look into it and go, well, actually, I still think it's valid. Totally okay. Draft that way, not a problem. But the key component in the phrase of Z scores is normally distributed stat set. Normally distributed. And fantasy stats aren't. So I think that we need to be cautious about heavily heavy reliance on it. I want to talk free throw percentage because I found some stuff when I was doing this that was unbelievably interesting to me. And I'm going to be honest with you, Durant doesn't necessarily fix this problem. I don't think it, it actually it reduces some of the impact of free throw percentage, but I don't think it fixes this problem. And I actually haven't found a way to do it yet. And we are going to be working on this. I haven't found a way to fix this yet. So just be the reason I give this big disclaimer that I want you to understand what I'm saying here with free throw percentage and to be really cautious about how you value someone's free throw percentage high or low in drafts because I get the feeling, I don't think anyone has really ever said this before. Maybe I am, I don't think anyone said that about Z scores before either, but I could be wrong. I'm, I, I'm almost certain no one has ever seen this or discussed this regarding free throw percentage. So just be aware that this is something that 100% exists. We talk about free throw percentage, and the, again, this does apply to field goals. It's probably more impactful for free throws, but it does apply for field goal percentage too. We know that when we're looking at Z score, when we do a standard score on a free throw percentage, it's not just percentage because volume matters. But how much does it matter? How much? How important is volume? How important is percentage? And we use a Z score on that to give you a number to try and be able to base that. Like someone shoots 90% on one attempt versus someone shooting 85% on seven attempts. That Z score probably leans towards that volume guy. But, but I found some stuff that maybe makes us think about that with a little bit more, um, just a little bit more nuance. Now I'm going to look at the free throw percentage guys from um, last season and the impact they have. You can see at the top, that is the, the high level guys, the guys... 
providing the most value in free throw percentage. So Shea and Lillard, uh, Durant, uh, Trey Young up the top there. And you can see the Z scores are really high. Like Shea's over a 3.12. And then on the negative side, you've got um, Giannis and Steven Adams. And Giannis is like that negative. I can't really see that number. Negative five, which again is an insanely low number, which makes you think, well, you've automatically punted free throws and you can never win free throws in head-to-head. And I'm here to tell you that's just false. It, it just isn't true. But that number, the way that it's, again, determined with Z scores would tell you that you're just completely rooted if you've got Giannis um, in that situation. Now, there's a lot of data on this screen and there's going to be a lot of data coming up. And I, I apologize if it's A, it's hard to read. If you do want um, more information on this, let me know and I can send it through. But I'm going to give you the basic overview here. So what I did here was I looked the top part of that screen shows you my it tells you about my projections for players and free throw percentage for the upcoming season. My projected average free throw attempts across the league is four free throw attempts per game, and the average free throw percentage is 79.6%. Last season, the average was four attempts per game, which is the bottom portion of this graph, and it was 80% as the average, right? That's that's what I looked at. And then I said, okay, well, again, we're looking at a, a weekly head-to-head matchup. We, that's how fantasy head-to-head categories work. We have, and this is not even accounting for streaming, which can change even more, we have 13 players on a team, okay? And I'm going to assume for a lot of this that they everyone just plays four games a week. Again, making some assumptions. We have to, to do it right. Four games a week, 12 players on a team, plus your 13th guy. So, if you're using, because I'm using, I'm talking 12 players because I'm going to throw a 13th player in as a different example. With your 12 players, they're all, av- they average out to be average attempts and average free throw shooting on this graph there. That means that for the for those players, it's 48 free throw attempts across 12 players with 38.21 makes. Gives you 79.6%, whereas for um, using last year's numbers, which is 80%, it's 38.4 makes versus you know, 48 attempts, and that's 80%. So what we're looking at, and the greens and the reds are the highs and lows on, on that scale. So then on the, in the next column, it's the five highest projected free throw percentage players that I've got for this season. Lillard, Gildas Alexander, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, and the worst in Giannis with their Z scores next to them. Lillard has the highest for me projected this season, 2.53. Shea, 2.49. Trey, 2.38. Curry, 1.86. Pool 1.75. And Giannis, negative 4.7. And the percentages, I've got Lillard at 88.9. Shea at 87.2. Trey at 88.8. Curry at 91.9. Pool at 86.9. And Giannis at 65. I've got all their attempts there as well. So what I did was then went through and added each of those players, Lillard, Shea, Trey, Steph, Poole, and Giannis to a team filled with average shooters on average attempts. So we look at, I think what the important thing to hear is look at is Lillard, who's got a Z score of 2.53, highest number in my projections. Steph, who has a Z score of 1.86. Still pretty good, but a, a decent distance off. So what? how does that change over the course of a week on your team? Well, it takes your team from 79... Steph takes your team from 79.6 to 80.86. One point... It's two six percentage points jump. Lillard goes from 79.6 to 81.86. 1.56. So the difference between those two, which is represented by almost a full standard score, is 0.3%. That is it. The second part of this graph on the right-hand side says if I make everyone play four games and instead of using uh, average numbers, we round it to the nearest integer, you'll see that even that makes a decent enough change. And the interesting thing there is like Shea versus Trey, right? Based on their attempts, if I round down to integers, Trey, despite having a lower Z score, actually gives you a bigger free throw percentage for the week, marginally, but bigger. And that is to, the reason of all of this, and we're going to go through more of this stuff in a second. Again, it might be boring and dry. Is that if you have a Z score of two in the points category and someone has a Z score of 1.95, the play, person who gives you a Z score of two, if we're using averages for every game, they will outscore that player every single time. Every single time without fail whatsoever. With percentages, it doesn't work that way. And that is a very, very big or interesting 
complicating factor. So what I then did was I looked at, well, what if we do, instead of the players averaging four attempts per game, what if we made the entire rest of the team average three attempts per game? So lower overall volume. What did that do? Did it do anything interesting? It did a little bit. The lower the volume on the team, when you add the high volume player to it, it improved the difference. So Lillard has more of an impact than what Steph does. Remember the difference before between those two was 0.2 and now it's 0.3.5. It's not a big difference, but we're not looking at the same improvement or decrease each time. And when we compared um, Shea and, and Trey before, this one actually favored Trey more than Shea, even though Shea's even though Shea's um, Z score is higher, adding Trey Young's projections onto a team with lower attempts actually made them better than Shea, despite his despite his higher Z score. What if we looked at a team with average free throws and higher attempts? So instead of three attempts per game, we look at five attempts per game. What did that do? Well, it made the difference between these players really not that big at all. Steph Curry, a Z score of 1.86 over the course of the week would make that team go to 80.84. Lillard with a Z score of 2.53 would take that team to 80.94. That's a bee's dick. That's nothing. Yet we look at these numbers, which should be giving pretty sizable differences as this be-all and end-all of what we do. And it's not. I haven't even touched on Giannis yet. We'll get to him soon. You add Giannis onto this team that averages 79.6 with an average of five attempts per player. He takes him from 79.6 to 77.2. You reckon you can't come back from that? Like, yeah. And I've got Giannis projected at 65% this season. So Giannis' Z score of minus 4.7, which you have a look on that graph there, minus 4.7, he takes the team down to 77.2%. Can that be recovered? Like, yeah, it can. Because if we, yeah, it, it, it just can. Like, it's, do you have to do it? No. Does it give you extra work to do it? Yes. But, like, he, he drops you, like, nothing. He drops you, like, two percentage points. It's not... It's not as big as those Z scores would make it out to be. This, though, is where things get really interesting. I pushed it and said, well, what if we make the team's average? You've drafted a lot of high free throw guys. And if you've got a team that averages 83% from the line, you're probably one of the top two or three teams in your league. You average Your team averages 83% from the line on four attempts per game. Okay, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's on the other 12 guys. And then you add Damian Lillard to that team or you add Steph Curry to that team or you add Shea to that team. Even if we're not doing the integer rounding, Steph, who I've got projected at 91.2, uh, 91.9%, but on only five attempts per game, whereas Shea, who's at projected 11.8 attempts per game at 87, much higher Z score, 2.49 versus 1.86, the team with Curry actually has a better free throw percentage than it does with Shea. That's crazy. Yeah? That's crazy. Because you would think your team at 83%, I'm adding the second best free throw percentage impact player in Shea to it, that that would give you the second biggest increase. But it doesn't. It doesn't at all. In fact, adding Lillard, adding Trey, and adding Curry all give you better results than adding Shea because I have him projected at 87.2 instead of 88 and 88 and 91. So if your overall team's free throw percentage is higher than average, the player that you add onto that team, their percentage is more important than their volume. I did not expect to find this. So when we're talking like Again, Durant does a little bit of this, but it doesn't quite get there. But that, that's, that's pretty crazy to me. Oh, and honestly, and we look at it there, that, that team's at 83% on average attempts. Adding Yars, that team makes them 79.47, which remember, average is 79.6. It is literally an average team. You add Giannis to an average team on, in terms of attempts that's hitting 83%, and your team just goes back to being right in the middle of the pack. And then the next thing you could do is if you added then Jordan Poole, 
onto that team. If you had a, a, a team of 11 average guys plus Giannis plus Pool, well, I'm just going to uh, calculate that here on my sheet behind the screens. It, it would actually take you to an 80.59 overall percent. Like above average. That's all it takes. Your team's got to be 83% as a general rule, but you can actually deal with Giannis in that situation. Yet, a Z score of minus five would tell you that you can't. If we look at higher free throw percentage with lower attempts, what does that do? Well, again, it, it makes that impact of Curry still really interesting. And the rounding there of the integers makes that him better than everybody, despite having a 1.86 in Z score. It, it's, again, a really... It's, they're not big differences. But the other key takeaway from that is that, okay, we look at a total free throw attempt for the week, 139 over 164 or whatever we're looking at here. Yeah, some really interesting sort of um, yeah, numbers for the week. The differences there are so minute. 84.24, 84.07, 83.98, 83 83.77. And all it takes is one missed free throw or one extra made free throw. And the results of those change. And you might say, you're still really good. It doesn't matter that much, Josh. But my point is that when you're going strictly off a Z-score number, it should tell you that Lillard makes your team better in every situation than Shea, who's better than Trey, who's much better than Steph, who's better than Poole, who destroys Giannis. And it's not really true, which is a complicating factor. If we look at it with higher free throw attempts and higher free throw percentage, well, again, the, the gap is really, really narrow. And it doesn't do hardly anything. If your team averages five attempts on 83% shooting and you add any of those top five guys, the highest amount of percentage that you add to your team is point, like it's 0.82. That's, just, that's not the right number, sorry. You, you actually, wow, okay. So you, you take it from 83 to 83.82 or 83.7 to 83.78. These are tiny numbers, tiny. And all it takes is one of your high-end guys to get hurt, one of your lower-end guys to miss a game, and that number changes a ton. If we go the other way, which we're going to do now, I'm going to get to the conclusion of this at the end. Say we've got a team that averages 77% from the line on average attempts, and we add all those guys again. Well, adding Giannis to that makes it really tough. That drags you down to 746 and what you'll find there is that the volume becomes more important. So Shea, despite me having him at 87.2, lower than Curry, Trey, and Lillard, and he's got the second highest Z score, he actually drags that team to the highest percentage because volume. The volume matters more. If we look at it from lower free throws with lower overall attempts, three per game, again, then that impact of Shea is still there. But him and Lillard give you an equivalent number. And then if we do rounding over the course of the week, Lillard's team comes out on top. So there can be general rules applied to it, but they're not set in stone. Basically, everything that happens with percentages depends on who else is, what else is happening on your team. You add Shea to a team that has high free throw attempts, five per game average, and 77%. Well, he does pop ahead of Lillard, but then if we look at some rounding numbers and integer-based stuff over the course of a week, well, Lillard pops out on top again and Steph's down the bottom. So if you add Steph to a team with 83% free throws, it's better than adding Shea to that team. But if you add Shea to a team who's got 77% free throws, it's better than adding Steph. So what, what does that all mean? And I hope that that free throw percentage stuff made a little bit of sense to you. I hope it made sense. The idea is that, so what does it all mean? So don't blindly follow rankings. I've said this for years. Don't ever go off a rankings list. Even numbers that are shown to you on Yahoo or when people say, well, how do you have this guy ranked here on Basketball Monster? I say, I don't, mate. I don't rank guys. I don't put guys in that order. We have a bunch of projections and a formula spit stuff out, but there are a lot of issues with that. And a lot of it is based on build, based on the way that players push into a certain area. Uh, in, in a, on a team, and it's not as straightforward as you think it is. 
The other thing is, and we haven't even covered that here, is week week to week variance is really important. Like it, it is. Like look at that free throw percentage example. If your team's averaging four attempts per game, and you're adding Shea or Lillard or Steph or whatever to drag you up two percent, but they play three games, well, there's no impact. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change your team at all. And we put this outsized importance on some of these numbers and categories, whereas. And I think what this is leading me to is when we're talking about drafting and punting and all that sort of stuff in head-to-head, unless you're going super hard, right? Unless you're going super hard to take your, even if you want to use Z scores and take your Z scores for a category to five or a six, then the week-to-week small sample size, if you're like, well, I'm punting this and I've got a two here and a two here, I don't think it does anything. I don't think it does much. I think you need like your free, you need to hit your free throws really high. You need to go so hard in getting those numbers as high as you can to give you a level of buffer. That's part of the idea of a punt is to give you a buffer week to week because there is so much variance on games played, on individual game production. And I'm going to do a bunch of work on that this season and hopefully be able to include an element of statistical game by game, week by week variance into Durant. You have to understand what the numbers actually tell you and what they don't tell you. Free throw percentage does not tell you, that Z score does not tell you that that player is 2.5 standard deviations better than an average guy. It doesn't tell you that they're even better than the guy who's at 2.3. It's all context dependent because when we battle for free throw percentage or field goal percentage or three-point percentage during a week in fantasy, we don't just add the percentages up. What we add up is how many free throws are made across the entire team, how many free throws are attempted, and we divide it. And numerators, denominators, the way that they differ based on attempts and makes during the week changes. So it is really hard to gauge that. So it's part of the reason why in my rankings now I am downweighting free throw percentage. I think I'm going to do it with field goal percentage maybe as well. Because as you saw, having Giannis as a once-in-a-lifetime negative free-throw guy, yet if you add him to a team on 83%, your, your league average, doesn't really make sense, does it? You would think that if you had Giannis on your team, you just cannot recover from that. But you can. The other interesting thing with free-throw percentages, if you have a guy who has league average, let's use 80%. 80% free-throws on four attempts per game. That would give you a Z-score of zero, Correct? because you are average, which is what a Z score gives you. Z score of zero is average. If you have a guy who hits 80% free throws on 10 attempts per game, he gives you a Z score of zero. The exact same thing. Yet, those players are wildly different in terms of the value that that gives. There's more stability in the higher attempts. There's also more variance. And what, do, and what do, I'm going to bang on about this again. What, is that, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're an 80% guy going eight of 10, from the line, there's more stability of that. If you shoot eight of 10 every single game, that someone comes in and goes one for two, that turns you into a nine of 12 team, 75%. If you are a four, let's say four of five shooter to 80%, and you get a guy coming in one of two, that takes you to five of seven, which isn't 75%, it's much lower. But the more attempts you take, the more likely you are to miss. If you're an eight of 10 shooter, and your attempts stay the same and you go and you miss two because you've got more attempts there, like that's 60%. If you're a four or five shooter, you miss one, it takes you to 60 as well. But you might not miss it. The more opportunities you have to screw something up, the wider range of outcomes you have. It, it's That's just how that works. And we use average, I'm banging on too much about this, but we use averages a lot. And they're great for roto leagues. And But in a head-to-head league, If I get one block, one block, one block, one week, five blocks, five blocks, five blocks the next week, that's an average of three blocks per game. But in one week, it killed me. The other week, I won the category. But it still tells me that I was a three-block guy that's going to win you the week, the category every week. And that's just not true. So understand what the numbers tell you. What does an average tell you? It tells you what an average is. It doesn't tell you what they do game by game. It doesn't tell you their consistency. It doesn't even tell you how to compare it properly across categories. How do you use that? And don't be afraid to do things differently. That's what I'm trying to do here. I, people will hate this. 
I know they will. People will complain about this idea. And I have done a ton of research. I've spoken to people, statisticians about this as well, to try and see that we're on the right page. And I am, I think. It is not finished. I'm not telling you that everything else is wrong and this is right. I'm not telling you that at all. I just think it's a different way to approach and a different way to value players. And I hope you can see the utility behind it or why I'm getting there or why I think there needed to be some discussion on it. We are working. The problem is part of the calculations to get Durant can be pretty tough to, to, to get um, automated and set up. We are hopeful to get that on Basketball Monster as an alternate way to have a look at players. But in the end, don't marry yourself to a ranking number. Don't. It's just not the ideal way to look at it because the way those are calculated can lead to a lot of things that are misleading. Whew, I was really nervous about doing that show because I've been working on this for months. It's gave me a lot of, given me a lot of sleepless nights um, and just questioning, am I right? Am I wrong? What, what am I trying to reinvent the wheel for? What's the point of this? Is it even going to make sense? Have I just missed something completely and I'm talking out of my ass? And that still could be the case. And I'll, if you think that's wrong, like debate it, comment on it. But the key takeaways I want you to have is that rankings aren't everything. Z scores, Z scores compare things across different categories on a same scale when they are normally distributed. Fantasy stats are not. And Durant is trying to fix some of that problem. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google. This might be the end of my career. <laughs> Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.